We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. Anna Karenina. Widely revered as one of the greatest novels one can take on. But it's 800 pages long. Nope. Well, hold on there. Does following your passion, like that, just doing what feels good to you, does that really make you happy? Will the grass really be greener on the other side? To call this just a book seems remiss. This is a work that tackles the most important concepts in one's life. How does one live a happy life? Where does happiness even come from? Happy families are all alike. Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. Here's the thing about Anna Karenina and classifying it as just a book. Tolstoy somehow took a simple story of a girl making choices people face every day following her passion and then transcended that. The tale inspires people to live better lives, changes relationships, and has become a symbol of the pinnacle of what literature can achieve. Anna Karenina is a cultural icon. There's something extraordinary about how this book forces people to turn inwards, because being honest isn't just about being truthful with others. It's about being truthful with yourself. But what is so unique about this writer? Count Leo Nikolaevich Tolstoy wasn't just some Russian dude. He was perhaps the most famous Russian individual outside of the Tsar of Russia. People took pilgrimages to his estate. He was untouchable and was one of the few people that could write the way he did. In 1870, a 42-year-old Tolstoy turned to his wife and said he wanted to write a novel about the fall of a society woman in the highest Petersburg circles and to tell the story of a woman and her fall without condemning her. So Tolstoy wrote Anna, graceful, elegant, and it's easy to see why she's the type of woman with whom one would fall in love. Tolstoy wrote in a way that speaks to what it means to be human, that is relevant today as it was hundreds of years ago, unaffected by time or even societal changes. So what you see in this masterpiece is someone facing the hardest parts of our daily lives and allows us all to ask, how can we live better lives? How do we judge good people who don't always make the right choices? But it's through this gift of interaction that we have a chance to improve ourselves and learn how to forgive and how to love. So let's get started. What are the things to know before starting Anna Karenina? This is part of our Before You Read series where we take amazing and life-changing books and break them down for what they can mean for our everyday lives. Whether you're someone that's looking to read your first Russian novel or jumping deeper into classic literatures, or maybe this is your first just classic literature overall, 
we want to help you get the most out of that reading. We're going to go through this novel and talk about why it's important, some of the context of maybe some specific Russian things that would help you get more out of this if you were just going into it blind. It is worth mentioning that we did edit out clear plot spoilers, but the idea of spoilers is very subjective. Tolstoy is hot off the tails of having just released War and Peace, an amazing masterpiece that has skyrocketed his fame. And now he shuts himself in a room from 1873, working on his next masterpiece of literary realism, Anna Karenina. And unlike many modern novels, Anna Karenina was published monthly in a magazine between 1875 and 1877. Besides part eight, or what many consider the epilogue, that will be published separately. With that said, it did come out as a novel in three volumes in January of 1878. And I'd love to talk to you more about the inspiration for why Tolstoy wrote this, but... spoilers (laughs) while the size of this story can be a little bit daunting the prose is not this story is clean concise and it's tolstoyan it's meant to be easily consumed and it will give you some great lessons about life love and compassion and if you're new to russian novels the character names can be difficult to adjust to as a westerner in this series you're going to see we're going to make our fair share of mistakes so don't worry about that but what happens is if you look up character information online and websites and summaries, sometimes it has spoiler information right there in the first sentence about that character. So what we're going to do is create character maps and plot summaries to help guide you through the book without things being spoiled. So first up, in Russia, serfdom had just been abolished. We have a huge economic divide between the nobility and peasants. And what you're going to see is prince and princess are thrown around left and right. You're going to see so many, you're going to be wondering if Anna and Elsa are going to suddenly show up in this book. (laughs) That's right. But it is important to note there that in Russia, see, these titles are not royalty, but they're actually nobility. For many of us, we learned history through a Eurocentric viewpoint, and these titles in Europe were unique to the individual. The father had a different title, like Duke of Weaselton, then the (laughs) wife had a different title. This is not the case in Russia, as the title was shared throughout the entire family, so their names get extremely long as they're trying to distinguish each person, where Europe had had to have that very unique title. This even persisted through Russian marriages as well. So just be prepared for really long names, but they will help you, and you will adjust to it after 100 pages. If you're enjoying this content, we'd really appreciate you guys hitting that like button. It helps us and this video. Moving into morality, we got to ask the question is, what type of a writer was Tolstoy? And he's been many things over the years that he wrote. But one thing that Tolstoy is always centered around is morality. When you think of Russian literature, a lot of times you're going to compare Tolstoy and Dostoevsky, the two greats. I like to think of Tolstoy as an anthropologist versus Dostoevsky as an archaeologist. Dostoevsky gets 19th century Russian history. But Tolstoy, he gets 19th century Russian people, and he's able to write great morality because of that. As a writer, it's really easy to put your own morality and characters through the expectations that you have. But as a reader, that sometimes comes off as maybe the writer trying to justify themselves. What Tolstoy does here is he puts fiction at its best by not telling you how to think or feel. Instead, he puts characters in these difficult situations, and he helps you to associate and empathize with the struggles that they're going through. So in return, I think this actually says more about us as readers. By judging these characters, we can in turn look to find out why, and what does that say about our own morality? 
it's worth keeping in mind that the morality and rights that we think of today in the 21st century aren't necessarily the ones that you will see in this book, and that may be a little bit strange at first as you read through the novel. You'll want to know that as historians, when looking at Russia, we know that their society was very tight-knit, and their actions were publicly scrutinized for every little thing that they did. As a result, these character choices don't just impact one other person or their immediate family, but it impacts society as a whole. So there's several themes and core values that Tolstoy will explore through this, including self-indulgence, asceticism, pacifism, the idea of avoiding conflict or whether they run towards conflict. And it's all part of Tolstoy's moralist view. So as you look at these characters and your mind may start to drift at some points, try to refocus and think about how is Tolstoy exploring conflict? How is he exploring these morals that these characters are going through? And maybe even reflect on yourself too with how fast things are going or how slow things are going. How do you react and what engages your attention in the same way what engages the character's attention? So let's talk about three Russian matters that can help you navigate this novel and keep these in mind as you read this masterpiece. As we mentioned, serfdom had just been abolished, which means a lot of enslaved people were free, which means there was a huge divide between the nobility and the peasantry. And Tolstoy, being of nobility, perhaps maybe rejected that a little bit, maybe even felt a little bit ashamed of the nobility, and exposes that. So as you move through this, Tolstoy spends a lot of time comparing perhaps the nobility life and the life of the peasant. Pay attention to the urban scenes as opposed to the rural scenes, people that work with their hands versus people that use intellectual thought to drive their life. I don't think Tolstoy is telling you necessarily which way is right, but he's definitely causing you to pause and think about your own life and what's therapeutic to you versus what do you find you're craving more excitement or for from faster pace. I think this is going to tell you a little bit more about your own life and where you view your pace in, in this world. Besides just political forms, we have the crisis within the church. Unlike many other countries, Russian churches are very, very powerful. In the United States, we have separation of church and state, and it is the opposite there, where we have the church included and the orthodox basically rules the state. Within the country, westernization has become a hot topic as the czars continue to flip back and forth of what they want to do for the country. And here we start to see the rise of communism and the movement towards more an atheistic society. So again, this brings us back to one of the hearts of the novel is morality of how would people decide between right and wrong if the church is removed from their lives? Does that make someone good or bad if they do or do not have the church? And this brings us back to the heart of the novel, Morality. How are people in Russia supposed to determine what is right and wrong if the church has been removed from their lives? Because will you even need the church? Because our third point in Russian matters is the marriage laws. This book will go into it, so we don't need to go into a lot of detail here. But to look at this with the 21st century eyes of, well, why don't people just get divorced and move on, is short-selling the impact society has on the individual. And that's something that you really need to feel through this novel. Because you have to remember, with the church, marriage is sacrament. So we'll leave a link in the doobly-doo down below where it'll explain some more information about when you could or couldn't get a divorce. It wasn't just a choice back then. You did have to have evidence and reasons. But this is eventually explained, but you're going to go through several parts where you may be confused as to why this is such a big deal. And that is a flaw is looking at it with the 21st century eyes when it comes to divorce. 
And this is one of the most important tips that we can give to enjoy the book, to understand the character's motivations of why sometimes they want some things public and they want some things secret is because, again, everything is going to be publicly scrutinized, and that will help you understand their motivations throughout the novel. So tell me if this has ever happened to you guys out there before. You're reading a book and you want to talk about it. You're excited, but you don't have anyone else reading it with you at the same time. We're putting a playlist down below where Crypto here and I are reading this book for the first time and sharing our thoughts and providing conversational partners to you guys if you'd like to read along with us in this book and break it down in more detail as we start to move through it. That's right. We put this video together of information that we wish we had known before reading the novel. We were fortunate enough to read it with some amazing other YouTubers, and we'll leave links down below for their channels and videos as well. And additionally... War and Peace is coming very soon. We're going to leave a link to that playlist because I cannot wait to sink my teeth into that because Tolstoy, absolute master of not just literature, but of people. You can't write like this unless you are someone who understands people. So I hope that when you guys go through this, that this novel just really connects with you. And you really dive into this concept of morality and the laws and public scrutiny. And that it's something that you find enjoyable because there's a lot of things that you'll find in this book that you see in yourself. So I wish you the best of luck and hope you join us on the read-along as we go through this. Una out. Peace or war. <laughs>